0: New from the Horror Vision Press, Sean C. Baker's Shadowplay Book 1, Kim and Jesse. If our reflections woke up, would they hate us? Would they envy our world? Would they try to take it? Two worlds on a collision course and 15-year-old Jesse Roberts is caught in the middle. Shadowplay Book 1, Kim and Jesse is available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Also available... A collection of desires, seven tales of modern horror. These seven tales bring the horror
1: home to our modern world. Hello, and welcome to the first quarantined edition of the horror vision horror podcast i'm sean Great. i'm chris no i have messed it <laughs> up i'm sorry that's okay so um this is there's gonna be a learning curve here because we're doing this on zoom meeting if you don't know why we're doing it this way you might want to check in with the world outside you've probably been hibernating too long and there's been some changes so you know we won't uh necessarily get into that but uh Yeah, anyway, so we're all, you know, shelter in place and uh, we wanted to talk about some horror. So Anthony might be joining us in a little bit. But in the meantime... uh, And
0: and hey, if nothing else, then it gives you uh, recommendations for things you can check out while you're stuck inside, too. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Uh, There's going to be a lot of people watching a lot of stuff. So um, we will hopefully help you uh, get through and, you know get to the the uh better stuff to watch so uh before we start though i just want to say you know uh, a couple days ago Stuart gordon passed away yeah and uh i don't know what how did you guys uh i guess starting with chris how did you hear about it and what what did it did it make you want to watch anything did it make you uh i don't know what it make you feel think whatever (sighs)
2: Well, well, I mean, when I first, I mean, I heard about it, you know, on Facebook, I think I was scrolling through and, you know, saw a picture of him and with the caption and just said, no. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say, I, I think the last episode that, that I sat in on was, um, for classic corner. I, when I talked about a reanimator.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Good timing. What did you know that we didn't?
2: Uh, I'd tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Oh, what about you, Ray?
0: Uh, I think it was the group text. I think it was there when everybody group texted, and um, I think it was when Sean texted it. Um, I've been out of—I haven't been to work since, God, since almost since this thing started. Um, so I've been at home, and it's kind of thrown my whole sleep schedule off. Mm-hmm. So I'm up uh, pretty late now, and uh, yeah, you texted. I think it was like one in the morning or something and said that he died and I was surprised and then what one of the things that surprised me was I read an article obituary on variety and I didn't know it but he was apparently one of the people that was instrumental in the creation of uh the Honey I Shrunk the Kids franchise
1: Yeah him and Brian used wrote it <laughs> What that bizarre?
0: Yeah I mean wow it's just that's a, that's that's it's inc- kind of incredible Come It's on. uh shows you the variation of people in
3: horror <laughs> yeah shit
1: man that's it's so crazy i just i was scrolling through the text and it's like i didn't even realize or i had forgotten uh, he he died on my birthday like yeah I, it's so fucking weird uh 72 years old i mean dude the, i've always been a fan of couple of his movies but um just really re- recently what i don't know, i think it was 2000 maybe 11 i saw the reanimator musical at the steve allen theater here in la and he was there he directed the musical as well and Did he really uh, i didn't yeah, know yeah yeah and uh man I, that kind of reinvigorated my interest um in him at the time and then i like the movies that i was most familiar with actually we're reanimator but then also king of the ants which i fucking love and it's like a little bit of a lesser known one and it's just really dark um and it was probably my all time favorite george went role cuz he's so dark in it it's just so weird it's like oh it's Norm. he's torturing this guy um it's like a, it's like more of a uh, i know the one you're talking about it's like a thriller
0: but it has a couple of really twisted dream sequences that you're Oh just yeah
1: like, but, yeah uh, it it's it's a fucked up movie um you ever see that one chris?
2: no, I don't think i have it, it is george went to see like the 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 lead in the film or
1: no, but he's like the the main bad guy- bad guy in a way, but it's i don't know it's just it has to do with them they like this this uh younger guy falls in with the these older guys and this kind of like um Kills somebody and then kind of insinuates himself into that somebody's wife's life. And then uh, at some point, went and his cronies have him just tied up for days on end. And it's just, it's super dark, but in a really like, there's not really anything science fiction about it or, or whatever. It's very down to earth and that kind of makes it even more fucked up. And I don't know, it was weird. It's like I saw it once in the early aughts, really liked it, bought it. Uh, a couple years later shortly after i moved out to california and i remember watching it and just realizing like holy shit this movie's way the fuck darker than i thought that it was so yeah um but yeah i mean i don't know he's just you know from beyond bribery animator which Usna, who was a uh, <coughs> partner in crime of his often uh directed that one but it still has the Stuart gordon feeling Dagon has is just one of my favorite lovecraft adaptations so
2: Oh wait! Did he do that one as well?
1: Yeah, that's a that's wow! I, cool one.
2: Oh, I yeah. did not know that.
0: That
1: is a really good one. So, um, what have you guys been watching? And uh, no judgment if it's just contagion and pandemic and outbreak. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what else would we say? Yeah, quarantine.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god.
2: Um, let me see. I did last night. I just watched um, uh, Escape Room.
1: Oh, okay. How
2: is it? I enjoyed it. You know, it was it, it was very Saw esque. Okay, you know the whole the whole premise is um, you know, these six uh, strangers basically get. Um, invited to participate in this uh, super immersive escape room, and you know, no one's ever been able to finish it. And if they do, then they get 10 grand, you know, which you know, sound, sounds cool on paper, but like watching it, I'm like, really, like 10 grand, like that's not really that
1: much, right? For what they go yeah. through, right.
2: Especially cause like one of the, well, one of the participants, you know, was like some like big time, like wall street guy. And I'm like, dude, 10 grand to this guy. Like he's probably, you know, losing money by not being at work to go right. do this, right. This escape room, you know, but it had, it had a cool premise. Um, I think there's five or six rooms altogether that they have to try to get through. Um, very, very PG in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no, you know, there's no like really cussing in it. There's no gore or anything like that. Like they really um, kind of all the kills in it are filmed, you know, in a way where, you know, you could watch the entire thing, you know, movie on like TBS or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it was still, you know, it was an interesting premise. Um, you know, pretty good acting. Um, I think the main, really the main person that I recognized in it was uh Deborah Ann Wall. from. Um, she was uh, Jessica the Vampire in True Blood, the redheaded gal. She was also on, uh, on Daredevil as uh, Karen Page.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: So she was really like the, the most well-known person in it. Oh, I take that back. There was her, and I'm blanking on the actor's name, but he was in uh, Tucker and Dale versus uh, Evil, and he was also in the TV show Reaper.
1: Tyler Labine.
2: God damn it, that's it.
1: Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it was. It's worth a watch. You know, it doesn't. You know, doesn't reinvent the genre by any means. You know, but it's it's entertaining. Um. But I would suggest if you're going to watch it, you know, turn it off about five minutes before the credits roll. Because the last five minutes, you know, it feels very tacked on and it's very much like, you know, okay, if this makes money, here's the premise for the sequel.
1: Uh, Oh, okay, okay.
2: Yeah. But I had watched that and um, the superior film of the two that I want to talk about uh, was the controversial, uh, the hunt. That's right. So yeah, that one was originally slated to come out in October, November, I think
1: this past October, uh, November, right? Yes. This yeah. past. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I know,
2: there's a lot of things yeah. that are supposed to be coming out that are, that they're pushing forward and, uh, because of the quarantine and all that right now. Um, but yeah, it was originally supposed to come out and then there was controversy because there was a big shooting somewhere. I don't know. We have so many of them. I, I think
0: I think it was Parkland. I think was it was it? a Parkland shooting, yeah. If I remember correctly.
2: But yeah, so essentially the whole premise of it is that these, the liberal elite, they basically um, drug and kidnap uh, a bunch of you know, red state, you know, conservative, you know, Republicans, um, and drop them off in the middle of nowhere and give them a bunch of weapons. And then, okay, the hunts on, you know, so it, it had a very kind of like hunger games kind of premise mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. a sense, but yeah, it, it, it definitely took, uh, an interesting turn you know, it wasn't what I was expecting it to be you okay. know, and, and about maybe 20, 25 minutes into the film, you know, you'll see exactly what it is that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, actually yeah, I was expecting, you know, something a little different, but you know, all in all, I enjoyed it. It had a good cast. Um, it's a lot more comedic, you know, than, than escape room was, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of little funny one liners in there and, uh, especially like th- all the liberals in it. Um, they're really caricatures of liberals, you know, arguing over if something is politically correct or not, Mm -hmm.
1: you know,
2: know, getting into like these kind of things, like in the middle of, you know, killing people.
1: Yeah. Right. 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 You know? So, I mean,
2: again, this is another one of these films, you know, I would put it in the same vein as last, last year's uh, ready or not, Mm -hmm. you know, you could almost kind of double feature those two films. Um,
3: but yeah, uh, good.
2: It, you know, really good cast in it. Um, you know, the main actress is, um, Betty Gilpin. She was, uh, probably at this point, best well known for, uh, being on glow on Netflix's series. Okay. Glow. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this is one of these films that I w- wasn't expecting to see the light of day after you know the big outrage happened, and then Universal said, "Okay, you know what? We're, we're gonna just go ahead and shelve it." And frankly, I, I don't think we would have even seen it this year, or who knows how long, if it wasn't for the lockdown and the quarantine.
1: That's interesting. You know, I
2: think, I think at this point, you know, people were scrambling to like, okay, what can we do? What can we release? What do we have? Uh, Because they didn't even announce the hunt was going to be, uh, you know, getting any kind of release, you know, let alone digital, you know, video on demand kind of thing until all this lockdown quarantine stuff happened. Right. You know, and then it became very much, you know, uh, you know, on a Friday. Oh, yeah. By the way, we're going to release the hunt tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So. Is it worth? is, Is seeing the hunt worth? being on lockdown and being quarantined? No, probably not. But if you're going to be stuck in that scenario, then I would suggest, you know, give it a watch.
1: Might as well. It it looked, um, I remember seeing a trailer for it last year and I thought it looked like The Purge a bit, which is already a, a series of movies without having seen them and liking the concept for The Purge. I think that there's an element of them that's socially irresponsible at this point. And I'm very, uh, you guys know, I'm very apolitical. I hate both the left and the right. I think they're pretty much the same thing. Um, but that's not, I, I don't feel like the, the political aspect is the, is the irresponsible part, but some of the, I don't know, there's just a certain way violence can be portrayed these days. And it sounds like I was wrong about it with the hunt. Um, yeah. it's it definitely, when I found out, um, I think you. I think in in one of the threads that uh, that we have going on messenger, I think you mentioned that it was funny, and I was like, "Oh, really?" And then like I read something else that like backed that up, and I was like, "Oh, interesting." Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I I may see it. I know it was that and Invisible Man, which I did see. Um, which were the kind of the big because I think they're both Blumhouse, and they they decided to release those to VOD really early. So they're probably like, I know Invisible Man's like $20 to rent, you know, VOD, which is probably worth it. I was lucky enough to see it in a the theater before it, you know, theaters closed their doors. What you think? I, I really liked it. Um, I thought it was a pretty smart way to reinterpret it. There was a couple scenes that really like kind of made me like gasp, like, Oh my God. Um, and just overall, like, some of the like, things, ga- like,
2: uh-huh. L- Like, like it made you gasp because of...
1: Like, kind of unexpected, and, and like, there's a scene in a restaurant where I was like, oh, shit! Like, just crazy. Um, like, out of nowhere, and like, bloody, and I don't know, it was cool. Um, it was just, hmm. it was cool. It was an interesting take.
2: Yeah, so, so, it's worth watching?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's worth watching. Definitely. Yeah, because I,
2: because I do like uh, um, uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss.
1: She's a great actress, man. And so yeah. that's the thing about it that ultimately I really liked was there were scenes in it where, because, you know, obviously this isn't a spoiler, but there's you're going to get into this thing where she's telling people he's here. I mean, you see in the trailer. And they're like, okay, crazy lady, take your medicine. But there mm-hmm. was like some shit that happens in a confluence of events where I really felt like almost like I was going to have a panic attack because – and they really put me in her place where she's kicking and screaming like you don't understand and nobody is believing her and it's like as the viewer you're right there with her cuz you know you know she's yeah, right nobody's yeah. going to listen to her so it's just like ultimately completely hopeless situation and and she drives it home man she just she's a very powerful actress and she gives you that feeling of helplessness so
2: now do you think it would be a it'd be a good a good film to um to do a uh, double feature with memoirs of uh, of an Invisible Man with Chevy Chase. <laughs> do you think that'd be a good?
1: You know, I don't. I can't answer that because although I probably did see that when I was younger, I went through a very very um acute Chevy Chase phase uh, when I was like <laughs> seven or eight, and so I probably saw it then. But I don't remember the fucking first thing about it.
2: Yeah, that's the uh. Who's who's the antagonist? It's, um, Sam yeah. Is um. Neal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. It's like a comedy action movie, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That was kind of Chevy Chase's wheelhouse for a while in the eighties. You know. Yeah, Fletch. Yeah. Well, what was the the one I always think about? The one where he ends up like he gets coated with that toxic waste driving by. The I was truck. just.
2: Yeah, I know. snorts sport, that line you know? of
1: the voodoo powder that the. the Modern problems. Had. Modern <laughs> problems. <laughs> there you go. Modern
2: problems. Films. Thank Very you. Trouble. Yes. Yeah. He has and he a weird. He's controlling shit with his
1: mind, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yes. He has a weird collection yeah. of films. Like Yeah, he does. He also has that one. Oh, shit. Nothing but trouble. Which yeah, that's that, a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: yeah.
0: A horror movie. Like, if they just took out that's, the comedic tone of it it's a fucking horror movie like it's that's
2: weird the, uh, that's the one with Dan Aykroyd playing yeah. like four different roles yeah. or something
0: yeah. yeah the carnival or circus
2: yeah. or amusement amusement park amusement park.
0: it's like a weird amusement park in this derelict like yeah that's a bizarre
2: movie
1: yeah it's a really bizarre movie I, I,
3: I
0: like yeah. that
1: movie
2: well I hope you I hope you guys uh, out there are all uh, enjoying um, uh, Chevy Chase vision <laughs> but another episode
1: of the chevy chase vision or we'll just
0: review more and more chevy chase films
1: that that's in the works we're gonna that'll be our sister podcast so you know yeah Ooh. it's coming it's coming
0: yeah sure. but um just to go back to what you're you were both what, what you were uh, talking or movies you were mentioning so you feel like they're good um because like you know a lot of us are s- stuck at home and can't really go out and or like either by choice or by, you know, design. And, uh, you know, they're, they're you're saying they're worth it 19.99 to rent and go ahead and sit. I think it's an interesting concept. I don't know if this is going to take off, but the thing that's nice about it is that like you don't have to, like it, it, years ago when that movie Hobo with a Shotgun came out,
3: mm-hmm. Sean mm-hmm.
0: came over to my house and a whole bunch of other friends came over to my house. And I think it was like 15 bucks or something to rent. But, you know, we all just split the cost. So it's almost the same cost as going to a movie on a a premiere night or a big night. Mm -hmm. So, but at least if you've got other people in the house, you feel like, oh, it's 20 bucks, but it's 20 bucks and there's four of us watching or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: I mean, like technology wise, like the best time for something like this, you know, majority of people have, you know, nice, big high definition televisions. They have, everybody has, you know quite literally, home theaters. Yeah. yeah. You know, you have a group of friends over, you can open up your little, whatever app you have to split the, the cost of something, you know, everybody chip in, you know, their stuff and buy a ticket to the movie, you know, you get four people yeah. and it's $5 each. That's like, you know, that's like the cost of going to the movies back in high school. Yeah, yeah. shit. Yeah, exactly. You know, with the, uh, with the, added bonus of not having to get a $9 soda. <laughs> yeah. Doc's well, yeah, exactly. just talk through the movie.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And remember kids, you
0: can meet in group, but just remember 10, 10 at the max. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Make sure nobody has a cough or anything. You
1: know, it, it was, yeah, right? it, it was weird in that when, when, so when this first started happening, you know, I'm in that AMC, monthly thing and I got an email from them first that said hey we're just letting you know we're, we're like trying to help observe social distancing we're now considering a full theater 50% of the maximum occupancy and I'm thinking I'm, I kind of laughed because I'm like yeah but you know there's that thing where it's like I mean even though you choose seats I feel like people still end up sitting on top of one another sometimes which boggles my mind um, yeah
2: I mean here's the thing with 50% seats even if every other seat is, is has a person in it that still means that the guy behind you, if he's sneezing, it's still hitting you in the back of the
1: head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's exactly. No, and there's no I way think, around that. I think the Beyond Fest guys had like tweeted something about that where it was like, Yeah, it kind of sounds like rearranging cha- the chairs on the Titanic. And it's like, yeah, it totally does. Yeah. So but then you know, um, Kirsten and I had a conversation one night, like, I don't know, a week and a half ago, and I was like, maybe we should probably cancel the AMC thing because we're not going to be able to go to the movies anytime soon. And then I got an email, like, that day, and they are like, hey, we're not going to oh, yeah. charge it not charging you anymore. Like, we're just putting it on hold. You won't be charged. We appreciate your business. So I thought that was, like, really cool, and I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry that it takes something like this to start to bring out, like, g- the good – humanity and people and, and companies and corporations i'm not saying amc is a bad company but i'm just saying like oh no was, no oh no i totally, I, I I totally that it, so kudos it,
0: it totally them. makes sense what you're saying i mean like there's been like it, it's been interesting to hear like the weird like companies and celebrities that have come out of the woodwork and done things like elon musk the other day bought like something like 1300 uh, ventilators from China because they had a surplus mm-hmm. and had them airship to the country, uh, to the U.S. and said, "Here, take what you need. Give out to whoever needs to go to." And like other people, like Rihanna, donated money and like all these like interesting like people are coming out that can do well, yeah, it. I mean, something. Can go here, take this and use it.
2: I mean, keep in mind it's still tax season. You know, this is all write offs for them. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> You're like, oh wait, wait, taxes aren't due uh, in April. It's gonna be July now. Oh, cool, I got time.
1: I got time. Oh, no,
3: it's dark. I like it.
1: Nice. That is funny. <laughs> yeah. So, what else, Chris? You see anything else? Um,
2: I don't know if off the top of my head. You wanna, you wanna feel this one right here? I'm thinking.
0: Uh, sure. Uh, let's see. Let me look at my list. Uh, oh, oh! Before I get into what I, I uh, watched recently, um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, there was a—I I should have sent this trailer to everybody. I saw on the YouTube. Uh, they announced Joe Bob Briggs is getting season oh, yeah. two of Last Drive and uh, well, starting April twenty-fourth. So, yeah,
1: it was announced a long time ago, but they just oh, dropped wow. the fucking date like two
0: uh. days ago. So, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I was just happy to see that they have a date. So we're not too far away from other season. So I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. What else? Uh, so it's not technically horror, uh, but there was a couple things I saw recently that I feel like should be shared. Like, just because I feel like they're oh, almost adjacent. Um, one was I, I, I saw for the first time Dead Ringers, mm-hmm. the Cronenberg film. It's not horror. It's thriller. It kind of bleeds more towards his later stuff, like yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, Eastern Promises. Uh, um, I forget the name. With uh, is
1: it a Good Man? No, History of Violence. Eastern Promises. Oh, History of, it's Violence, Method, History of Map, Violence. Map, Map yeah. to the Stars.
0: And a little bit, a little bit of like Crash with its sexuality. Yeah. But it's so good as a character study, and like yeah. Jeremy Irons is fucking phenomenal. I, he really should get more attention for that movie. Yeah,
1: I agree.
0: Um, another thing I saw that, again, is kind of horror-adjacent uh, is I saw Climax by Gaspar Noah. Oh, it's so good. I had been holding off on seeing anything of his for so long because I had so many people say, like, oh, it's so intense. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I finally sat down and watched that. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's it's this dark drug trip of this dance troupe stuck in a stuck in this place. And man, it's, it's all going wrong and like they're all turning on each other, but damn it. It's, it's so good. And it's so impressive that it like the camera shots he uses are incredible. Like he, he just, he does really takes chances and like does things where like there's that whole sequence where there's a whole sequence where everything is upside down, and hmm. you're like kind of having trouble seeing what's happening. But yeah, but it's it looks
1: of- like hell. It looks like a Hieronymus Bosch yes. painting at that point. That's I loved that yeah, that's upside down. That's a good down.
0: call. That's a good call. Um, so he takes chances with camera angles. He takes chances with how he with the shots. He's got some really interesting long takes. Um, and I also came to find out that a lot of it was improv, which is impressive as far as the actors go. You're like, how do you come up with, you know, just giving people these this kind of freedom, and then they do what they did. And yeah, I just, right. the movie's great.
3: Yeah.
0: Um. So right away, I would say those are two that I'd say if you got a chance, opportunity, to watch them. Uh, uh, I would
1: just just definitely add the climax. I think people. You, I always add the caveat. Now, you, there's a portion of it after the initial dance sequence where they're all standing around talking when they first split off and start drinking the punch, where I really think that you have to battle through it. It's some, it's just, it's a, a lot of dialogue of people just acting like fucking assholes, and like yeah. you know, and it just, it really wore on me. But I, I weathered through it and was glad that I did. So just as, as a warning to people it's worth sitting through it. You know, it's like the two guys talking about the chicks are going to fuck. And I mean, it's just, it's, I don't know. Anyway. You know what though? I, I, the one thing about that scene, I know exactly the sequence
0: you're talking about is that I feel like it sets up for the stuff later for when things go crazy and manic. That like the kind of stuff that happens to people or the consequences they suffer makes sense.
1: Yeah, definitely. They're, definitely. And it and it shows you their character, but it just goes yes. on too long. It's like, okay, I get it. Like it does I don't
0: go on too long. It yeah. does go on long. Um, another thing I saw was Villains on Hulu. Oh, I've been meaning to watch that. Oh man. It I was so disappointed. Really? It's okay. more thrill yeah, it's more of a thriller than it is a horror movie. It's got this great setup of this couple, this young couple that are um they're just thieves. Like, they go into a liquor store and they steal money in the beginning of the film. And then they get into their that's, car. That's the
2: one with, to... uh, with Skarsgård, right? Yes. Bill yes. Skarsgård?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're trying to get away, and their car breaks down, so they walk over to this house. And they find the house is em- empty, and they're like, oh, okay, well, let's break in, let's see if there's a car, and get some keys. And then they happen to go into the basement, and there's a little girl chained in the basement to, like, a, a water pipe. So now they don't know what's happening. Like, are these people, are the people like who kidnapped her? Um, and then the couple comes home and you're not clear whether they're murderers or they're kidnappers. And it has all this potential and it kind of doesn't go anywhere. Uh, like, hmm. it just disappointed me. Like, it just, ah, they could have done so much more. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know if they were just trying to stay in the thriller genre because i don't know i think i've seen too many movies at this point like don't breathe or uh i'm trying to think of other films that are like it but films that have taken the like where they you know someone happens upon this group and and then like oh no they have to get away from suddenly these killers or the people that the the seemingly normal people are much worse than they are right right and it just didn't feel like it took it took the chances it could have um So yeah, I don't know if you want, but I found it kind of boring and, uh, um, I finally got, uh, finally saw opera. Um, and I, I think I'll, I think when I talk about it, I'll also say that I also saw wax mask on Mm -hmm. shutter. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I know this is going to hurt some people, but I really liked wax mask. Oh, that's so cool. Um, it easily does something with the giallo format that like always bugs me when it comes to them, which is like, <sighs> I feel like a lot of like the twists in giallos aren't set up early enough. Mm-hmm. Like they do this thing where you get halfway into the movie and then they want to set up a twist. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, you we're we're, we're two thirds or 50% of the movie. That's a, so far into the movie to set up a twist. And that movie doesn't do it. And I feel like it sits at the twist way earlier, like almost from the beginning of the film. Um, So that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the whole wax museum format and like the weirdness of it. It has a kind of um, creepiness, like, what was it? I said, like the house of wax, but not the, not the, not the recent one. Like the, um, the Vincent Price. Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
0: and then you've got the villain and like, it's, it, it, I like, I, there's a reveal on the villain and it's cool. And I don't want to say anything more, but it's just, it's really cool. I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, opera I had some trouble getting through. Uh, and I had problem like there's logic problems to me with it. where like, uh, the killer, who the, the, the reveal of the killer, who the killer is. Mm-hmm. I just thought to myself, "He seems way too young." And he seems so much closer in age to like the 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 lead heroine of the film that I thought, "What? I mean, they're almost this I don't what?" Like it just uh, it just didn't work for me, and also, the ending of opera is bizarre. Like, I don't know if, you, uh, if you've seen it. I saw apartment. it
1: so long ago that the only thing I really remember about it is the thing with the eyes, the, the pins under the eyes. Oh, well, I that's cool. Like, that it.
0: stuff is really cool. Um, but that's a You know what? You just reminded me of another thing that bothered me, and, like, there, the weirdness of Jolla sometimes is that, like, she keeps having people get murdered in front of her, and then instead of, like, running out of a room and, like, screaming, like, call the police or something, like, the first murder that happens is her boyfriend gets murdered in front of her by the killer, mm-hmm. and then she escapes the room, runs out into the street, and like is barely wearing anything. I think she's just wearing like her underwear and a shirt, like a man's shirt. And then she gets happened upon by her, the director of the of the of the opera she's in, and then she just jumps into his car and drives away. Like she doesn't say there's been a murder. You need to call the police. She just right. gets into his car and drives off with him. And I'm like, what is that? And then they have this, like, bizarre conversation where she's, like, uh, I think something in the effect of, like, where he's, like, you know, like, what are you running from? It's just like, maybe I'm just running from, ah, I forget what the line is, but it's something in the effect of, like, maybe I'm just running from what, what what I fear. And I'm like, you just saw a murder. Go get the cops involved or something. Yeah, right. like, like, the reactions are just, uh, just
1: obtuse to me. Yeah, you're Um, not wrong. That's that's a common problem in Giallo. A lot of just absurd, like, okay, nobody would do that. Yeah. Well, they they do it because they have to for the mechanics of the plot, so it could be better written, but we don't watch them for the ace writing. You know? You you definitely don't go to Giallo. Like, you know, I just watched um, Adaptation with uh, Nick Cage, and I think now I'm going to watch, you know, um, opera. Like, no, it's just,
0: I gotcha it's got not gonna work there's ones that work more for me than others Yeah. Um. and then the last thing I saw which I just actually watched this afternoon which I rather like was Daniel isn't real oh so to, good at it to um, Shudder I really enjoyed it you know yeah. what it felt like to me and this is gonna sound really bizarre There's a there's a strange movie that is not horror at all it's like a drama comedy from the late early 90s
1: called Right Said Fred? I think, didn't I bring the... Uh, didn't I? No, bring no, 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 no. Drop Dead Fred. That's it. Drop Dead Fred! Sorry, right Fred. Said, Fred, right is said Fred. That's the I'm That's, Too Sexy for My like Shirt Guy, I think.
2: Right?
1: <laughs> Sorry, which, same which era. Horror. Same era. It, it, you, that song is horror. So, I mean, it fits <laughs> in the context. But uh, Drop Dead Fred, which is... Which yeah, is
2: with... The, um The, um, or, uh, the guy them. from Wonder
1: Years. Freddie Savage. Wonder,
2: no, no. What
1: isn't Fred Savage in it? No, no. Phoebe Cates. No, no. Phoebe oh. Cates
2: and um. How did Rick, I confuse Phoebe uh, Cates with Rick, Fred
1: Savage? Wow.
2: <laughs> Rick Myall. My, my, I want to say his name. The uh, the the British they, guy they, the, they, who plays who plays Fred. He was from the uh, uh, the British uh, TV show The Young Ones.
0: Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's the right one. Yeah, and uh, there's things about the way, it that reminded me, like the whole thing of like putting away the, the imaginary friend and then the imaginary friend coming back in mm-hmm. adulthood. Um, seemingly the way that the imaginary friend is able to do things that the imaginary friend shouldn't be able to do because mm-hmm. it's imaginary. So how come he can do those things? Uh, Daniel is not real has the same thing where like there's things where you're sitting there and like the Daniel shouldn't be able to do something, but then he does. And you're like, Whoa, is he imaginary or is yeah, he right. something Um Well, just because
2: he's imaginary doesn't mean that he can't be real too.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's not very politically correct, Ray.
2: Oh, yeah, so, well, he, I he might be imaginary, me. but I I he identifies like, imaginary as real. Out there okay? Fucking
1: racist. <laughs> but um. Oh my goodness!
2: All right, it's all but, about belief. If you believe hard enough, it makes. There it real. you go.
1: Yeah, just ask. Share again. More horror. Share. That's <laughs> that's my contribution to the episode. Share. Yeah. Just think about that, or yeah. look at a picture, and you've got horror. Anyway,
0: but um, uh, the other thing. I mean, but, but the other thing is, is that also like the. <sighs> I don't want to give away the ending of, of 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 Daniel isn't real, but in in a uh, drop dead Fred, there's a scene at the end of the film where she, uh, now an adult woman who is, is, she's forgotten about Fred, she doesn't need him anymore, but she's dating this guy and she sees this little, gr- the guy's little girl, who does like this like pinky pinky like lock thing with Fred, and she sees Fred playing with the little girl, and you're like, wait, so, do you imagine your friends just transfer from one person to another? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, that's weird. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I I really liked it. I thought it was. Um, I thought the pacing was great. Yeah. Um, I, I I it doesn't it doesn't spend a lot of time on trying to explain things. I like that it just goes, okay, here's here's what this is you go ahead and develop your own theories yeah. and we're going to toss out and the, like the reveals and like the things like that are like just lines. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. that like, they're just trying to, they're just telling you the story. And like, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, yeah. okay. But um, there was cool stuff in that movie. Like I love the, when he's like, try, like when he, when Daniel first tries to take over his body
1: Oh, um, the, the, uh, there's, dude, that face, uh, joining scene. There's a, uh, article in, in the last Fangoria about how they did it. It's just, it's so awesome looking. I mean, Oh God. So, it is
0: very shades of like from beyond or like, uh, or society. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a nice little effect they've got going on. Like yeah. some of the like some of the way that things get twisted and like f- flesh is mutilated has that look and you're like, Oh, it's cool. Yeah. That's old school. Um, yeah, really enjoyed that film. I thought it was a good time. Tell- I thought it was a good watch. And and it just got, uh, it just got added to Shudder. So, oh, I um,
1: forgot. I also watched Housewife. So what, like I, I watch I'm going to talk about Housewife. we can have a small discussion about Housewife because I watched it as well. Um, Shudder, a lot of stuff dropped recently. So yeah. just real quick, uh, going clear, uh, the documentary about Scientology, one of the most terrifying mm-hmm. things I've ever seen. So just throwing that out there. It is fucking <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> um i i it, re-watched... Was, it, was it was
2: it more terrifying than uh, than tiger king
1: i haven't seen tiger king i probably won't even uh i i don't know i mean i just you probably... say
2: that now watch the first episode
1: maybe i don't know a friend of mine compared it to gummo and gummo's one of it's in my top 5 if not top 3 favorite films ever but i i, I don't know i don't i don't know we'll we'll see i might
2: um it's just bizarre
1: it looks pretty bizarre um I rewatched The Endless that we did on our very first very um, first
2: yeah
1: yeah on a- very first episode um and this time I did it right I watched Resolution first and then Endless I all the qualms I had with Endless were gone I love both films um I really like the metaphors and what Endless is saying about the whole idea of like these people know what they're participating in and they're fine with it because it just gives them some something solid, like something predictable about life because life is so unpredictable that mm-hmm. it's comforting to have something, even if it's kind of fucked up. I just, I loved both. I liked resolution better. I really, really liked resolution a lot. And now I'm really psyched for the new ones. I think it's synchronic because it's about the the tagline or the description is um, it's about a, um, a cop or a fed or something investigating this hallucinogenic substance that's kind of making its rounds. And I guarantee you it's flour, which is the drug that they take in both resolution and endless. So I'm super psyched about them continuing that. Um, uh, Resolution. What is that on right now? uh, Prime maybe. Oh, it, it's fucking great. I love to it. that film. Um, I mean, I have a, like, there's a personal through line for me because when I was younger, uh, my best friend died from hard drugs and I had some intervention moments with him. I mean, I never like lo- handcuffed him to a radiator in a fucking cabin out in the middle of the woods, but um, it just, it, it really like, shit. it, it hits some harmonics for me with that experience. So, and and I really like both characters a lot. So I just, I really like that. Um, I watched The Outsider on HBO. It is fucking amazing. I cannot say it enough. It has this uh, it scratches the itch that True Detective season 1 left me with. I love True Detective season 1. I don't like the ending of it at all. I still like that overall better than the Outsider, but Outsider has a similar tone and it has a better climactic battle and a better ending.
2: And it just so now was Outsider was it just a one and done?
1: I don't know. Um I, I don't know,
2: because it, it is based on a Stephen King novel that definitely has a definitive ending.
1: Yes, but one of the characters in that novel, Holly Gibney, is in other yeah. novels. Yeah. So yeah. it's very possible that maybe, I don't know how they would do it, you know, what's the branding on it? Um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, there's kind of a little, it's it's resolved 100%, and then there's just the littlest bit of something that's like, oh, is that like leaving it open? But realistically, right now, a lot of things, like I kind of came to the realization, you know, we finished His Dark Materials, that's probably not going to be another season of it, because nothing's going to be filming for who knows how long. So I feel like a lot of stuff is just going to be dead in the water, because when we come out of it, the actors will have different contracts, or or who know I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, hopefully I'm wrong, but I think that you could see a lot of instances where, especially with the higher end stuff, like, you know, it's just going to be a one thing. You know, one season thing. Outsider, that would be fine. His Dark Materials, that would suck, but whatever. I mean, it is what it is. Um, oh,
2: fortunately, season two of Mandalorians has already wrapped.
1: Exactly. So that's fucking great. I mean, plus Disney's going to be fine no matter what. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I rewatched. Uh, based on Anthony's um, talking about it last time I rewatched 2011's Fright Night, loved it. Totally holds up. Fuckin- oh, yeah. Oh, it's so good. You know, so, poor. David uh, is fucking awesome.
2: David Tennant really is. Yeah. I mean, and
1: Colin Farrell did a great job in it, too. Yeah, everybody did. Tony Collette, uh, Anton Yelkin. Um, uh, what's yeah. the, the young girl's name that's in 28 weeks later? Uh, Imogen Poots. um uh, the guy that plays, what's the guy from Kick Ass? Uh, uh, Mince Christopher Mintz Platts. All of them, they're all yeah, great.
2: Yeah, yeah. McLovin.
1: Yeah, McLovin. <laughs> uh, and then, so before I go into the, the two I just watched, uh, I started a rewatch of Twin Peaks of the Return. This is the, only the second time I've watched it, so this is going to be interesting. Um, I read recently. Uh, Anthony had mentioned to me there's a uh, Dark Horse Comics has a Prometheus Aliens Predator series called Fire and Stone. I picked up the complete set on Kindle and read it just over the last couple days. It's mm-hmm. fucking great. It's really good. wait, uh, so, it's, so it's Alien Predator Prometheus. So it's if I'm if if I'm right, the title is Prometheus fire and stone but it took place it was like a like an event so it took place in a four issue aliens book a four issue prometheus book a four issue predator book and a four issue um, avp book huh and it it, it was really good but there's one thing in particular where like it takes place on lv i always get these planets confused 223 i think it is and when the first people go there they can they can see that other people have been there and it turns out it's directly following prometheus because um hmm. you know in prometheus uh, what's his name plays waylon he's, he's yeah actually, guy he's yes yeah so th- the woman that put together this thing did so with all this uh, this tr- trip it's supposed to be a salvage trip to this like dead planet or whatever and it turns out mm-hmm. she's really mm-hmm. looking for waylon and she's following mm. some kind of signal. So it's that planet that they go on in Prometheus, but it's changed. It's completely jungle, ridden. It's overrun with all these like alien look. Like there's monkeys that look kind of like aliens, and all so all the whole things. place
2: has just been terraformed.
1: Yes, and so there's the 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 black goo that the um, engineers use to incite life in the in the beginning of Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Is there's kind of spills of it everywhere. There's like a lake of it. And they inject it. One of the crew members injects it into their um, construct. So, like, you know, you picture Bishop or Daniel. It's the similar model. Yeah. So it's a humanoid construct. They inject him with the black goo, and it forces this evolution that is just fucking outstanding. It is creepy, and just there's moments of it, you know... Where it's just pure nightmare, nightmare so, school, so,
2: Prometheus, Fire and Stone.
1: Yeah, it's very good. Um, it's long. It's like four hundred some pages because it's all those different series. But dude, I read them super fucking fast. So, it pulled me in and didn't let go.
2: Uh, um, if you're if you're delving into the comic world, yeah, man, I picked up a little gem. Oh, nice, nice. Frankenstein Alive Alive Uh, picked up the complete collection um, by Steve Niles with uh, art by uh, Bernie Wrightson. Well, with most of the art by Bernie Wrightson. There was some additional art in there by Kelly Jones. Yes, because um, Wrightson died
1: before he finished it.
2: He did. Um, And he knew, Bernie, he knew he was was dying. Um, So he actually hand-selected Kelly Jones to Complete everything, and she did a bang up job. You know, it's a great story. Um, you know, it very much so. It's it's a direct sequel to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it follows him over the span of a you know of a couple hundred years there. Um, yeah, really really interesting story if you haven't read it. Um, it's pretty short, so I don't yeah. really want to spoil anything for it uh, for anybody but the art is fantastic. Um, Probably the biggest downside is that, you know, the way that it ends, there's definitely room for more stories. Yeah. So, you know, as, as great of a job as, as uh, Kelly Jones did with the art, um, if Steve Niles did make a sequel to this and just had him do all the art, I don't know if it would hold up as well um you know compared to uh to Bernie Wrightson's um you know pretty iconic artwork but you know for just for a one and done if you just want to treat it like that it's very very good and I highly uh recommend
1: yeah it's I've read it it's great um Mm. I'm a big fan of Kelly Jones um he had a series I may have talked about on here before I know I definitely talked about on. Drink of a Comics, and it's The Hammer. It was from, like, late 90s, early 2000s. Very Lovecraftian horror, and that just sealed the deal for me. He also did some of Neil Gaiman's Sandman, the, like, the early, some of the early stuff. And um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what else. Some, some other stuff, but really great. Oh, he, uh, currently he's doing my favorite of the Joe Hill books for DC, uh, Daphne Byrne. And uh, yeah. I picked that up specifically... Because of Kelly Jones's art, and uh, yeah, it's it's hmm. it's very good. It's very interesting. So I'm a fan.
2: I didn't even put two two together. I'm gonna have to go back and reread those.
1: Yeah, it's it's good. There's another big big one I know Kelly Jones from, and I can't think of what it is. I think he actually he did. I think he did Batman. What was the one with Batman Dracula, like Dark Rain or something like that back in like the late nineties early- or? Oh,
2: the one where he had like the enormous. Like, yes. Three-foot-high ears.
1: Yeah, I believe that's Kelly Jones as well. It, although that, the, the large ears sounds like Sam Keith, so maybe I'm wrong. But he did some iconic Batman book back then. Um, hmm. So then the last one – well, actually, just before I get into this, I just wanted to say in light of current events. So you know, I think I talked previously about reading this book, Wanderers, by Chuck Wendig. And I started reading this in January. Um, Our friend Jesus gave it to me as a Christmas gift. And it's a tome. It's huge. Chris, you saw it. It's very large. Um, Which one is this? Wanderers.
2: Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I just got to say, like, so he gave it to me on a Friday. I started reading it like that weekend. And it deals with an epidemic that originates with bats and blah, 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 blah. And... It was weird because then I come into work like the next day and, and when I get there, I see my friend Seth in England had sent me like some pictures um, and it was like, oh, you know, hey, mate, my, my friend and his wife are in China right now doing some kind of like volunteer work or something. And he was sending me video they had sent him of these Chinese emergency workers bringing people out of places on stretchers and the workers are, are like dressed in these elaborate like toxo suits, right? And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that's fucking creepy. And so then you start getting wind of the initial burst of the you know, the COVID the coronavirus in, in China. And so it took me a good month to read that book. And over the course of that month, this was starting to develop. It didn't butt up into our like, shelter in place, but I finished it a couple weeks right before that. But it was so surreal reading this book and then also in real life reading about the news about this. And it was just – it was something, man. And I just – it's – you know, I mentioned at the top of the, the episode, like, oh, you know, you're forgiven if all you've been watching is pandemic and, and outbreak and quarantine, whatever, as a joke. But there's a reason why those are popular right now. I think it's, it's uh, what's not pandemic. The one that's, um, oh, God, it's on Netflix. It's like the number one every, every day now. I can't think of the name of it. Um, but what it was No, but it was actually based on uh, research by this guy, Larry Brilliant, who helped defeat smallpox and worked on polio and has worked on some other things. And he had been saying uh, since 2006, like, we're going to have a pandemic and no one really listened to him. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's been interesting where like my fictional life has like butted up against reality in a way that kind of made me uncomfortable. It was also kind of cool because it was such a unique, surreal experience. So Chuck Wendig, man, you knocked it out of the park and I just hope we fare better than, you know, the world in your book. <laughs> um, But so then finally, to go back to the last two movies, Ray mentioned Housewife to me. And I had heard Housewife talked about on a pod, I think on Shockwaves, like a year, year and a half ago, and I wanted to see it because it's the second, or the, it's a follow-up movie to um, Baskin, which is, I always consider kind of a Turkish Hellraiser. hmm So, Ray, when you watched Housewife, you, had, you haven't seen Baskin, right? No, I have not. I need to watch it. So talk about Housewife. Um.
0: Whew. Well, it, it's it's a hard movie to pin down because, um, and I've heard a little bit that this this is also a problem with Baskin, but I'm in, I'm interested to still see it. Um, it, it 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 has this. You don't know at some point whether things are happening or whether they're dreams. Mm-hmm. Um and dream rule the dream is as important as is reality. Uh it starts with these two girl two little girls in their house and um their mother calls one of them down uh to in this big mansion down to the, the first floor and the um the older sister goes down and the little sister like is wondering what's happening and hasn't heard from her sister and doesn't hear anything and goes down the stairs and sees the mother drowning her sister in the toilet huh. and panics and like uh, hides from the mother. Um, and the, uh, yeah, she's hiding from her. She does like the mother like comes in the, comes in the room and she's hiding behind a curtain. And then she goes back. She she's, thinks she's okay. And then the mother appears in the window behind her, which was a pretty good scare. Yeah, and um, hmm. the father arrives home, sees that the other the first daughter has been drowned, and wait, stop there. I feel like you're giving too much away. Okay, okay, but um, basically, this woman suffers a tragedy. Or... Well, and
1: then it, so then it goes forward in time, and she's an adult, yeah. and she so. But the, the other thing, just to add to what you said, there's in, intimation at, with the two little girls in that opening scene that the mother has some kind of visitors come over when the father's not there. And also the drowning takes place because the, the daughter like realizes she's going through something all girls go through. And that's what triggers the the whole thing. So you go forward in time and she's an adult and she has this in her past and, and her, boyfriend or husband or whatever is this famous writer and they meet a self-help guru that says he can help her get rid of these kind of demons. And it goes from there. I had forgot when I was watching it the other day that it was, it was funny. Somehow it slipped my mind. It was, it was the Baskin guy. And then it got to a certain really bloody fucked up moment. And I was like, Oh, this is the Baskin guy. That's right. He (laughs) seems to have certain proclivities when it comes to gore and, uh, Baskin just go, I mean, it, at some point it just goes fucking nuts. And I mean, I remember watching that movie. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Absolutely loved it. I know people who are generally, you know, more like, uh, harder to, um, you know, uh, nauseate than me and they were like I couldn't watch that fucking movie but it's, it's all in the delivery for me but I really liked it I mean it has that similar like like you said like it, what am I watching is this a dream That it, it, okay it's a dream but it seems to be affecting reality what's reality Baskin has that and Housewife has it I really liked it um, quite a bit so and that just hit shutter I would definitely suggest um, yeah, I think it's definitely worth a watch
0: yeah um, well, I, I started watching it not knowing it had anything to do with the guy who, wrote, who had made Baskin, mm-hmm. I just turned on right because right. something that it got at it, and I, I watched the trailer. And I thought, "Well, that looks interesting," and I, I like the the visuals on the trailer. And I thought, I don't know, "Let me check this out." Um, yeah, I'm still not. I'm still a little divided on how I feel about it, just because I'm still trying to piece it all together and figure it all out. Like, yeah, yeah I, I need I, a second viewing. It feels a little bit like. It feels a little bit like a film where the answer is it doesn't matter, whether it's dream or reality, it's still happening. And like,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Uh, and I, and you, and you just go, oh, okay, um, yeah. I, 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 but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, I, enjoyed it. I thought the performances were pretty impressive, and that the main. Uh, actress, man, she has to be. She has to reveal so much of herself. Yeah, yeah. In the film. like, she not only has to go places emotionally, like, she has to be, like, at some, t- at one point, like, super naked. And yeah. I'm like, ah, damn, okay, yeah, like,
1: there's a lot of vulnerability in, in her. Yeah, role. and uh, it's absolutely she does very, very well with it. Uh, can, can Evernall, if I'm saying it right, is the director's name, and Baskin is on. I think it's on Hulu. It's on something streaming. Yes, it's on Hulu. Um, it's definitely worth watching. I like that one a lot. It's That one's a little bit more surreal, but also good. But it is it goes batshit um, more so. Then the last one I watched, right after Housewife, I put on Empathy, Inc., which also just... Oh, um, I also watched that as well. Oh, wait. I, I see Chris raised his hand.
2: Yeah. Well, I wanted to try this little feature that they have on here. Is a good way not to like talk over each other.
1: That's a good. good um, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I don't know how how you get rid of it though,
1: but that's yeah, fine.
2: No, no, it'll be, oh, 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 oh! There we go. Lower the hand. <laughs> um, before I forget, yeah. Um, oh. I had started watching a show, an older show. I think it came out in two thousand eight, maybe on uh, Netflix, um, called uh, Dead Set.
1: Oh, I've seen the thumbnail for that for years. Is it any good?
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's only like a six, five or six episode mini series. And that was it. But the whole premise of it is, uh, it's, it's in the UK Mm -hmm. and are you familiar or at least know about, uh, there's a very popular reality television show there called big brother.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. So basically the premise is, is, um, they're filming big brother. Um, and it's about, you know, the actual people in the house and, you know, the behind the scenes, the producers, the PAs, the camera people, all this and that. And then the zombie apocalypse happens. And, you know, all these fans outside get slaughtered, you know, zombies get into the production area. People have to hide away and this and that. and, and the next morning, here's the big brother people. They wake up, you know, and like, you know, like what's going on? You know, the mics aren't on, the cameras aren't on. What, what's happening? They have no idea because they're locked in the big brother oh, wow. house. Um, really, really interesting premise. Um, pretty good execution. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of, pretty famous you know, British television actors in it that I'm not quite familiar with everybody. I think only one person I recognized was one of the people who was on the police force in Hot Fuzz. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, five or six episodes. Each episode is like 25 minutes long. And whole thing's on Netflix. You can bang through it you know,
1: in, in, in a day, basically. You know. Nice. I'll t- I, I think I'll totally watch that. I've wondered about that for years, and uh, my girlfriend's a big fan of Big Brother, like the American version, which, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I could never watch it, but I like the concept of, of deconstructing reality TV and adding in elements from horror, so...
2: And, like, I, I, well, evidently the interesting thing with it too, you know, which, you know, like this This TV series, like, like it was nominated or won uh, a number of BAFTAs at the time, oh, really? which is like the British yeah. uh, Emmys. Um But I, I think they even used the actual Big Brother house. Interesting. And they even had the, um, the host.
1: Oh, like wow. The actual
2: host of Big Brother is, was involved in it. Um, so they really tried to make it very, very authentic and true to the program itself. But like what would happen, you know, if all this shit went down.
1: That sounds badass. I'll totally check that out.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it starts a little slow, you know, like a lot of these kind of zombie apocalypse films do. But, yeah, once it picks up, you know, and they're very much, um, it's very uh, Danny Boyle zombies as opposed to George Romero. Okay, that's cool. Which makes sense. This is, yeah, 2008, 2009, so it's... You know, 28 days later and 28 weeks later, still very prevalent uh, over there. So you are going to get those fast zombies. Right. Um, you know, but they, uh, you know, unlike the Danny Boyle zombies, you know, these actually are undead zombies. It's not just, you know, people Range. going crazy. Right. Yeah.
1: Huh. All right, cool. Last thing I watched, it, it's adjacent, um, just hit shutter as well. Empathy Inc. Fucking loved it. Highly recommended. Reminds me a lot of Darren Ar- Aronofsky's first film, Pie.
3: Hmm.
1: Uh, it's shot in okay,
0: Ag- I see that comparison.
1: It, did you watch Empathy, Inc.?
0: Yes, I did. I did. I, so, I, I think the reason I didn't mention it is because it, it, it's very sci-fi.
1: It's sci-fi. It's still, I mean, I feel like it's adjacent. I, I really like, and I thought this about Pie as well, which is also not horror, but that high contrast black and white makes both movie it makes me think both movies, they remind me of like uh, the texture of an old Frankenstein movie. There's just something about that, that grittiness, but uh, it's just, it's really cool. It's like, uh, I don't even know how much I want to get into it because I feel like there's a lot of twists that happen that were really enjoyable to watch, but it's basically like a guy that he, he's kind of a guy that uh, a money man for, for startups and for tech companies. And he kind of gets burned on this company and loses all his investors and he's kind of fucked. So he moves from the West coast, Silicon Valley to the East coast. Him and his wife are going to stay with her parents. Now, I mean, you can picture that being like a nightmare for a 40 something year old man. And then he runs into somebody he used to know that's of questionable morals who has this really small startup and convinces him to, to invest some money in it. And the startup is empathy Inc. And it's basically look, rich people forget what, it means to have what they have. So they pay us. So we put them in this really, really, really extreme virtual reality scenario where they're, they're like homeless or whatever, and they can live for a set amount of time as some, somebody with nothing. And then when they come out of this virtual experience, they appreciate what they have. And I'll just say, that's not exactly what's happening. And just shit just goes pear shaped. I really liked that. (laughs) All the performances were good. I loved the way it was shot. Just, just, I don't know, it t- and if you're a Black Mirror fan, it's really like a Black Mirror episode.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, I would agree with that, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, well, uh, Anthony and Tori are fine as well, they, sh- they will be back with us soon enough, but in the meantime, for the Horror Vision Horror Podcast, I'm Sean.
2: Hey, I'm Ray. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Johnny Thunders.
1: No! <laughs> That's
2: a good name.
1: Johnny All right, gentlemen. Stay safe.
2: Have a good one. Later.
0: Later.